with the sharpest tool in the shed. She was looking kind of dumb with her finger and her thumb in the shape of an L on her forehead. I mean, he did kind of say it, so I guess we shouldn't be surprised. Uh huh. God damn it. God damn it, Smash Mouth. What happened? Why are you playing? Why are you playing here? Now. What, why Why you not just playing, but making this big deal about this virus is bullshit? What's with this, like, death clock temper tantrum, dude? Yeah. <laughs> COVID is an asshole. Like, that's that's the like kind of vibe I'm getting here. Like, you know, just like, fuck the recession, fuck COVID, fuck everything. We're gonna play, and, you know, honestly, fuck our fans for coming out here. Um, because, you know, it wouldn't be Def Clock without some, you know, contempt for the fans. <laughs> totally. And this time, you know, I mean, I can see Smash Mouth trying to cut in on that brand. It, it, it can be edgy, you know. Uh-huh. Like, I mean, Death Clock sells, like, a, a trillion dollars worth of records every year. So I I understand, but... Uh-huh. You're not Death Clock... <laughs> you're not Death Clock tier. Like, they had, you know, trillions of dollars get- to throw at lawyers and such and you literally had to sign away your life um, at every fucking Death Clock concert which is part of the thrill because I mean, maybe <laughs> you know maybe that's why Smash Mouth did this at Sturgis is cause he, li- he was already lined up for the whole shindig mm-hmm. And then COVID happened. He was like, shit, like, there's no way we're going to be able to, like, make this up by scalping our own tickets. So he figured, hey, may as well get a head start on that nearly new Harley Davidson market. Mm-hmm. Can you short the Harley Davidson used markets? You know. I think there's probably some MBA who's trying to figure out how to do that. <laughs> Forget I asked. Welcome to Chop Shop Economics. We read this shit so you don't have to. Ah, I'm Miss Silver. Uh, with me today is the Doc. Um, St. Helen is still on the hiatus, um, but you should really listen to the episode we did with her. It was fucking awesome to have her back in the booth. So yeah, uh, let's get fucking started uh, with yeah, but the white horse. <laughs> oh yeah. So yeah, and it's not just fucking Smash Mouth and Sturgis, though Sturgis has been linked to like pandemic out like fucking blah, blah, blah. To cut um ha- has been linked to covid outbreaks all over the midwest there's been something like 200 confirmed cases of people who are at sturgis 
Um, yeah. So far that America's broke dick healthcare system has detected. Mm-hmm. Um, Remember, we're the land of if we don't test, we don't have a problem. So, you know, multiply by ten. Mm-hmm. And uh, as far as the white horse, you remember last week how there was scuttlebutt kicking around about how they were going to um, use interest rates differently in uh, federal policy by switching to the average interest rate. Which would mean they're allowing some level of inflation to happen that would be higher than normal. Yes. Because they just want to meet a rolling target now and not some weird immediate target that... Yeah, it's just... The way we've done things in that regard is completely insane. And so... It's like, I can see why they're doing this and, you know, kind of coming into line with, like, other regulators thinking on the subject. It's just and that... The rest, and, and the rest of the fucking planet yeah. mind. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's just that, you know, they they clung to this, you know, Greenspanist ideology for so long that... Oh, there's too many people employed. We gotta calm the economy down. No, like no, fuck you. Stop that. Wait, wage push on inflation is nowhere near as big as the shitheads on Wall Street would have you believe. Yeah, and like full stop. Like you know, but you know. The other thing is that, like we've said before, you know, uh, we have been circling the drain of a deflationary spiral for, you know, the past decade or two. And so the fact that they finally decide now, now that everything's going to shit, that, you know, finally we need to, like, restart the economy with this, frankly, it feels a little... Too little, too late, but I could be wrong. It, it also is the fact that they're going back on what's basically 40 years of hardcore, like, neoliberal brainworms yeah. by even doing this. The Greenspan idea has its own. <laughs> it's like, the, it's, it's got its own risks because, you know, global finance has built a lot of its assumptions on things like the dollar is never going to do stupid inflationary shit because Greenspan will always like throttle inflation before he keeps workers from starving. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, like he will starve people to protect the inflation rate. Um, Yes. So it's, you know, like that is kind of a problem (laughs) because that means any significant degree of inflation, which I'm kind of astonished hasn't happened yet, seeing as the Fed has, like, lit $9 trillion on fire. Mm-hmm. Um, 
like 500 billion of that went into the real economy the rest was like shoveled on wall street like i'm kind of astonished that hasn't already triggered an inflationary crisis yeah um except maybe you know it's because they lit it on fire that it didn't i guess um but the fact that now the fed's like okay maybe a little inflation's okay is not gonna look good when the dollar's already kind of doing really fugly shit and reserve fund managers are dropping it like crazy and have been since april mm. <laughs> like this may have been a better idea to do in like march yeah like like i said i feel like this is very much too little too late as far as the program goes um they should have done this honestly they should have done this years ago but seriously now that they're doing it, it's like, well, and there's nothing to really stop them from rolling it back once, you know, some insane ideolo- uh, ideologue of the Greenspan school comes back and goes, no, we can't have inflation. We can't have inflation. Inflation is terrifying. We, we just need to shovel more cash into the furnace. And, you know, it's also the fun of, like, this is not going to take effect for a long time. Mm -hmm. There is precisely zero people in the United States of America who will actually notice something from the Fed easing interest rates. Or not easing interest rates, rather. Especially because they're close to fucking zero already. So, like, the only thing they could do at this point is hike them up. They can't make cash more liquid. So, whoop-de-fucking-do. This means they're going to be keeping it at, like, just above, like, room temperature. Yes. For longer. Like, this won't really do anything. And absolutely won't do shit about the like lack of a relief bill or the eviction crisis or anything else because they can't make credit cheaper without doing stuff that's going to spook the market Mm -hmm. and it doesn't matter if you've made credit stupid cheap if no one's fucking buying shit because they don't want to go out and die of covid or because fuck the police or whatever particular reason there is that they're unemployed or not spending money or otherwise can't you know do a capitalism Mm -hmm. and yeah i mean it's very much i don't know it's like i don't i don't feel vindicated here it feels It's at this point, it's safe to say that federal policy, just because of the speed at which the wheels of government turn, is kind of going to be irrelevant between now and Election Day, at least as far as the economy is concerned. Like, yeah, we won't see much effect from this for like one or two quarters. I reserve the right to be wrong, but I don't, I just don't see it. If that probably longer i mean this is like money that needed to be there 
six weeks ago is not there. Yes. So we're going to have the eviction spike. Like, if, for the sake of argument, um, Mitch McConnell was visited by three spirits in the night and convinced to reconvene the Senate immediately and pass the, like, May House COVID bill that Nancy Pelosi very politely put in the envelope and just sort of left on the desk for him to find when it was convenient. Um... And sudden, and just passed it without amendment, without debate, and just went, fuck it, we're just doing this, let's go ahead. And Trump went along with it. That money still wouldn't be getting into people's pockets in time to save their October rent. Yeah. And it's like, it's worth noting that. <sighs> Let me put it this way um, I finally received my Trump box. Holy shit. Yes. <laughs> yes, Iris. They're real. They're real. Um, they haven't posted to my account yet because doing anything with checks takes like an motherfucker. Mm, it's like they like abruptly decided that, no, yeah, you can totally have your Trump bucks. Um, oh, we don't have any direct deposit information for you, so we're just gonna send it to you. Um, which reminds me, I need to set my direct deposit in case they ever do come to their senses. But anyway, point is, it took from mid-April, which is when I first started trying to get my Trump bucks, to now. And I technically, I still don't have them. I won't have them for until next week like, in my account, ready to be used. And already that money is hilariously overcommitted. There are a whole bunch of things I need to spend that on, um, and only 1200 to do it. Like, no, I'm sorry, this is, this is not enough. And, you know, this is just... I'm glad that this is only fuck around money. I, I hate to think of what would happen if I had to actually rely on this to survive. Like, Jesus, fuck. Yeah. It's, I mean, this could, was totally avoidable. There were other options that could have been pursued. And instead we went with, like, the dumbest one. And now we're here. We're here. Like, if you want to call your Congress critters and shout at them for, like, invoking the wrath of guillotines, you know, whatever, you do you. But realistically speaking, even if, like, the God Emperor Franklin Roosevelt wheeled off of uh, his monument and assumed, like, absolute power anything the federal government would be doing is not going to happen for a good like before election day in any meaningful sense maybe you'll get some extra money in like mid-october or something but yeah yeah (laughs) like maybe your state government could do things faster Mm -hmm. and there is shit you can do like the state of california is debating extending the eviction moratorium statewide which they really fucking should absolutely Um, there's shit like that that you can do that would actually have some kind of 
direct effect if you're thinking that way, but don't like be expecting anything from, from Congress at this point. Like that ship has sailed. Yes, absolutely. And like, I will say this, um, frankly, at this point, I can only assume that there's still millions of people in my position. Um, a second stimulus check wouldn't take as long to issue because they can issue it to everyone who was declared eligible. Um, and that's a way faster process. But even so, like, don't expect miracles here. And that's not even going to how long it'll take to handle things like aid to state and city governments who then have to disperse that money. It's just, I mean, the wheels of bureaucracy of any kind, especially for a bureaucracy that ostensibly, in theory, governs 350 million people, like... Uh It, it takes a bit to move them, especially when you've had, like, dumbass neoliberals undermining their basic ability to function for, like, two generations. You know. Yeah, and then someone from the looter oligarch class comes in, undoes half the work, stuff his, uh, stuffs his pockets for money, and walks away. Like... <laughs> I'm sorry, but if the first response after neoliberalist, um, after, like, you know, decades of neoliberal ideology is to, you know, just help yourself from the treasury, which I'm not saying that Trump has done directly, but this has been very good for his brand. (laughs) Oh, and he has done some, like, you know, (laughs) rerouting uh, Air Force flights to land in Scotland so that he can bill the Trump Turnberry for putting up the pilots. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, some really petty corruption when you get down to it. Like, considering the shit that someone with Trump's theoretical money could get away with in terms of corruption as president, it's really pretty, like, Candy from babies shit. Yes. In the grand scheme of things. Yes. I mean, it's like, god damn, do not, do not expect these people to fucking save us. They, they can't even save themselves. Jesus fuck. Like, like the shit libs in the Democratic Party seem to be like slowly realizing, oh wait, things are a bit fucked. Yeah. But I, I personally still don't think they've fully internalized the Trump as fascist line that they've been using pretty like hollowly for four years. Uh Like they've thrown that around, but I don't think they've actually really grasped what that means. Oh yeah. Until like now. And that it might actually be real. (laughs) (laughs) Which... You know, yeah, like, that leads us straight into the Red Horse. Yeah, there's more disasters. More fucking yeah. disasters. 
Okay, so, um, if you haven't listened to our um, episode last, uh, from, you know, today, as we record, uh, I guess it'll be yesterday. We recorded it on Sunday um, with St. Helen, which was a really good time. Um, But that's serving as, like, you know, most of our segment for the week. Um, But there are things we want to bring up because, as you all know, um, as a lot of you have heard by now, um, the Kenosha um, uprising took a very dark turn. Um, Kyle Rittenhouse. Fucking American horse wrestle. This watch (laughs) it will. That's gonna be how this will go down. Yeah, like he, he's like you know some sort of he's already some sort of martyr for the far right, Um, and he's a much a more pure one because um, how to put this? He's a seventeen-year-old baby-faced. Yeah, yeah, and on top of that, you know, the right wing is more sympathetic to, like, self-defense ideology, which is separate from, you know, individual or collective self-defense as a concept. There's an entire ideology that kind of wraps into it. We can't get into it too deeply, but... It's It's the same reason that they, like still cream their pants over George Zimmerman because he cried self-defense because a black kid has a hoodie and some Skittles. And Um, the black kid may have punched him once or twice when he was really creepy to him. That's, yeah. (laughs) We're dealing with the same kind of attitude. (laughs) Self-defense. Unfortunately for Kyle Rittenhouse... He did his crimes by crossing state lines. He also did them with, um, he shot two people. No, he shot three people. He killed two. Um, and maimed one. Um. On, like, multiple cameras, by the way. Like, multiple people caught this on, the whole thing on film. You've probably seen some of it by now. There's, like, just go ahead and Google it. There's plenty of documentation of how this went down. Or don't and sleep better at night. Um, Suffice it to say, there is plenty of news about it. Um, Like, one of the big things was that this wasn't the first time um, Rittenhouse had done things like this. Um, He'd done all sorts of protester harassment and earlier actions in the area. Um, and also, he led off his um, his little mini killing spree with um, some real GTA shit. Uh, he tried to order people out of their car at a gas station. Yeah. At gunpoint. Yes. yes. Like, you know, a dude with a, uh, some, you know, 
pipsqueak fuck with a rifle, you know, pointing at you and going, GTA, bitch, get out of the car. Uh, a rifle that is illegal for a 17-year-old to even have in the state of Wisconsin. Yes. Um, in theory, he could have possessed it in Illinois with an FOID. Nobody knows if he has an FOID yet. Um, I mean, the reason that's important, though, is because under Wisconsin state law, if you're already doing something that is illegal and relevant to your use of force, then it is not self-defense. Yes. Full fucking stop. Um, so from, like, totally legal perspective, he already was not doing a self-defense. Yes. Um, also, Wisconsin, as we previously hinted, does not have a standard ground law. Castle... Uh, Basically, castle doctrine only applies to one's home, um, and a or couple like of other you, exceptions. Like if you own the business that you're defending, or like you literally have a piece of paper from your boss saying, "I notarized here, empower Joe Schmo to defend my liquor store with his shotgun." Yes, like that stuff is allowed, but. He didn't follow in. He didn't fall into any of these exceptions. So, like, he can claim self-defense all he likes, but the problem is, is the self. Oh, and the interesting thing is, is they actually clarify that self-defense, the reasonableness standard, is not. Did you? Um, would a person, like, identical to him have done the same thing, knowing what he knows? It's, would a reasonable person, period, have done that? And the answer is no. Well, yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> a reasonable person would borrow this kind of trouble. <laughs> like... This kind of brings to mind that time when Hitler was on trial for the beer hall putched and he said his act of treason was justified because he was doing it to save the nation. Mm -hmm. like, this is like the same kind of tortured bullshit. Yeah. So, um... Expect right-wing like, feeds to get really insufferable about him. He is currently not extradited. It's... Uh, it's being held up because he... As I understand it doesn't have counsel to represent him in the Illinois matter. Um, because, you know, you can't just, like, mm -hmm. it's not the feds. You can't just, like, take them from one state to another, um, even if, you know, Wisconsin really wants this dude. And, frankly, once he does get representation, I don't really... I'll be honest, I don't see him succeeding on not being extradited. It's probably, <laughs> probably going to be some straight-up clan lawyer that takes the case for the sake of publicity and making it a circus. Yeah. Um, the one that's supposedly re representing him in Wisconsin is a QAnon guy. Very heavily QAnon. But he's only claiming he's the lawyer. I don't... Um, frankly, I should have looked into this more. Um, it's a little bit crazy, but... Eh. Suffice it to say that 
this kid has probably ruined his entire adult life because he is a fucking dipshit. And a lot of kids are raised with this ideology. Um, I mean, I blame the parents here. I blame the parents, too. Quite literally, I blame the parents. His mom drove him. Yes! (laughs) Okay, see, that I didn't know. Um, But... I mean, yeah, that's... <laughs> this isn't just she signed him up for Chud Police Cadet Camp every year when he was a kid. This was she literally put him in the fucking car and drove him across state lines <laughs> with an assault rifle to go to a protest in Kenosha. Yes, like... And drove him mm-hmm. back. Like, honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if she ends up on charges. <laughs> And a couple of his, you know, militia buddies. Not for anything nearly this serious. It's more, you know, accessory, conspiracy, things like that. Still, it's, you know, any smart, vicious prosecutor could easily, like, take the fact that she, like, took the time to drive him there and she and he didn't just, like, you know hitch a ride or something as proof of premeditation like you know that this shit's got so much like i would not want to be in a courtroom on this crap (laughs) like this is so he showed up to shoot people that was all there was to it it was straight up black shirt shit this is there there is no other like way of describing it Okay, I just... Speaking of black shirts, actually, um, the New York Police Benevolent Association has done a first and endorsed a presidential candidate. To no one's surprise, it's Donald Trump. So yeah, the same New York Police Union that has implicitly threatened the daughter of Mayor de Blasio on social media and uh, publicly defended choking the life out of people has now endorsed the guy who after weeks of has spent the last several weeks questioning the integrity of the electoral process Mm. yeah make of that what you will yeah and the there's this is after him endorsing QAnon people. This is after him doing a lot of maximum chuddy shit. After all of this, they went, yes, we would like that. Yeah. 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 I mean, they are... The ones who are left at this point are firmly, firmly in his corner. Um, like, they want... Part of why they want a second term is because they get the impression that if Trump is in power, he'll finally be able to take the gloves off. And I think they haven't realized yet that Biden will probably let them do the same thing, but he'll give them slightly more um, political coverage uh, while the media well, ignores it. <laughs> well, like, maybe before, but at this point, he has to at least pretend to do a police reform. Mm-hmm. 
to maintain like at, at this point like it needs to be said the largest police union in the united states of america who represents officers from the largest most well-funded police department in the united states that has a history of not giving a fuck about civilian authority has just said we're endorsing the authoritarian fascist prick in the white house for re-election for the first time ever in their history like that like this is this should be like sending some alarm bells people like this is the these guys have done shit that is blatantly illegal they have openly defied court orders they regularly ignore the orders of city of city government like i would be keeping an eye on the nypd like you know if you're out in new york i'd be really careful around the cops yeah. these days like, they might more, not wait. more than you usually are, to be honest. Like, they are not your friends. They are not your friends. Um, oh, Jesus. It's, yeah. That's Black Horse time. <laughs> oh, no. <sighs> So, (laughs) remember how we mentioned that shit about Brexit looks like it's going to see things like crop failures and disease and all kinds of other, like, you know, 10 plagues Mm -hmm. shit? Yeah, the, um, the harvest has not been good this year. Uh, yields are down by about 40%. Uh, it's the worst in 40 years. Yeah. And so basically at this point they're already cranking up the price of flour um, with a no-deal Brexit going through. That's definitely not going to help things. It's just, and, yeah. You know, <laughs> and, and especially because any shortfall because the british flour industry in particular for making things like bread um and all the other things that flour goes into um depends on local sourcing mm-hmm. so any shortfall has to be made up for by imports just as you know the uk is shitting on their biggest source of imports yes and it's like in before people were like, oh, but what about you know American wheat? And it's like we're not doing that great either, y'all. Remember COVID? Remember that whole thing? Like, and it's and it's worth mentioning the spokespeople for the Met Office in the UK have explicitly said this is because of what's happening with the climate. Weather is getting more extreme. Uh-huh. And it is moving in a direction that is not hospitable for how we're used to growing wheat in this climate. Yeah. Like, the... Like, the, all this shit that's causing the wildfires and the hurricanes, it doesn't just cause that kind of extreme weather. Yeah. And at this point, um, it's... <clears throat> What 
happens is, is like they'll probably eventually figure out where the new green belt is in time to find out that it's not that anymore because these things get really out of hand really fast. Um, like, obviously the oil industry collapsing will slow down a lot of this, but it won't stop it. Um, like, a lot of it has already been baked in. Um, I, hell, I live somewhere where, you know, you don't normally have to have air conditioning. Now it's mandatory. Because, you know, everything is built to assume that it will never be too warm. Look how that went. But, yeah, it's... So this is shit to be, like, shit to be aware of. Like, this is going to keep happening in lots of other crop-growing places. Like, we're going to see disruptions to basic food supply on a basic level. Shit is going to get kind of messy. Yeah. And, like, this is going to be one more thing for a post-Brexit UK that is expecting to see wave two of covid just in time for brexit yes (sighs) so you know um (laughs) cue flower of scotland and join your local celtic militia um yes someday the dream of 74 county ireland will be realized (laughs) oh my god um I should joke about that. <laughs> <laughs> or, you know, if you're in Manchester, I've heard the Red Guards are amazing. Um, allegedly. Um, <laughs> Manchester People's Militia. <laughs> so, there's another big story we've been following for quite a while now. Um, it kind of comes in, like, two parts, but it's about the whole onshoring, um, debacle, basically. Um, That's been forced by, you know, reality. Yes. Like, not everything can go through China. Um, and people are starting to realize that routing literally all production through China is perhaps not the wisest move. Um, it's not even that, like, China has done something in particular to fuck up the world. I'm not saying they have. It's just, you know. I mean, all things considered, the U.S. doesn't get to, you know, lecture China about their response, which included things like literally building brand new factor, like hospitals to hold infected people. Yes. Like... The thing, uh, the thing of it is, though, is that we've realized that we need redundancy in the supply chain, and that is what's uh, that's part of what's driving the recent pivot away from China for Australia, India, Japan. Um, they're trying to um, no fluffy, no. Um, they're trying to. Basically, um, yeah. <sighs> They're basically trying to uh, 
they're trying to like pivot to like onshore manufacturing, um, manufacturing elsewhere, um, locally sourced parts and production, like all the shit that was how the economy worked for most of you know ever. Um, yes, and steadily accumulated over an extended period of time. And, like, Bank of America actually, like, ran the numbers on it and estimated that for the United States and Europe, it would cost something like a trillion dollars for the private sector to actually, like, fund this onshoring, whatever this would look like. Oh, yes. So this this isn't, like, something that is going to be quick or easy, and it certainly isn't going to, you know mean they're going to stop making shit in the sweatshop that is the Marianas Islands. Um, yeah. Or anything like that. Like, Australia, India, and Japan trying to set up their, like, joint block to boost supply chain security. Like, that... I don't think that means, you know, they're going to stop abusive labor practices. Like, Australia is oh, yeah. not going to stop no, no. Like, housing... Like, refugees in a fucking island concentration camp or and like india's not going to stop with like some of the other like atrocious labor practices that happen in way too many places neither is like bangladesh or other places like this just is a way of they're finding a way to benefit from how this is going down and they're finding a way to coordinate with each other because you know the u.s is kind of having a normal one yeah and it's like I think it's kind of telling that they're using China plus one language when discussing this. They're not discussing like cutting ties to China, um, partly because that would be insane. Um, you don't telegraph that to your largest trading partner, but also because, well, like we said, we need redundancy in these supply chains. Um, if you know, the neoliberal world order is to hold together, like, at all, in the wake of all this, um, pandemic shit. Uh, it's like, no, they are not, they are not doing this out of the goodness of their hearts. They have not seen the light. Um, this is entirely about developing other countries into some sort of, you know, vertical manufacturing hubs for um, whatever it is they need. Um, Like, they'll probably onshore some stuff directly to, like, where people may actually get not treated like shit. Mm Mm-hmm. But that would be because they sort of have to, and I think they're going to try to avoid, like, you know, those good union jobs as much as they possibly can. Yes. And it's very much... And it's like, you know, the Bank of America, they estimated that, like, you know, all these U.S. neuro firms that are looking to do the same thing, it's going to cost them, like, up to $1 trillion, which... I don't know where that money is coming from. Um, maybe the magic money furnace? Who knows? Like, it's... This is going to be something that's going to take a lot of time to process. Mm -hmm. Like, this is not going to happen overnight. This isn't going to be some kind of 
Soviet Union literally moving factories by train east of the Urals in the face of the invading Nazis and then dropping them down on the ground and getting to work kind of shit. This is gonna be a very extended and messy process, mostly aimed at preserving the most profitable way of doing business. Yeah. And... Basically, the other thing is that they're also looking to do automation pushes for a lot of this, so it's not going to be a guaranteed, like, silver bullet to get you good jobs here or in the European Union or in the UK. Like, no, I'm sorry. Um, well, I mean, there's not going to be any good jobs in the UK. <laughs> Um, <laughs> that has nothing to do with onshoring and everything to do with Boris Johnson. I mean, they're probably going to need to onshore some things. It's just that, you know, um, that wound was self-inflicted. I mean, th- this is the Tories we're talking about here. Their commitment to austerity was so extreme that they were the only neo-lib government to actually cut the police budget. That is impressive dedication is impressive dedication to Moloch. I am I am sure Number is yeah. very pleased or would be if everything wasn't on fire. Yeah. And speaking of um, oof, speaking of like you know moves we could have made to improve supply chains and all that um, they were attempting back in 2018 so to the fix U.S. feds. So, like, yeah, 2018, um, they were trying to basically fix the American power grid, or at least, um, someone was proposing that, hey, maybe we should take a look at our uh, kind of crumbling grid and maybe fix it and also so for so for those who aren't aware the way the united states does not actually have a national energy grid it has kind of more like two and a half large regional grids that don't really talk to each other very well and that's actually one that goes west of the rockies over what the situation used to be yeah, like, you've got basically west of the Rockies is one grid, east of the Rockies is another, and then, like, the greater Texarkana area is a half, sort of, it kind of talks to the other two, but kind of doesn't, it's weird. Um, so, you know, because the United States, we can't have, like, nice things, like a single functional power grid. Yes. Um, so this is sort of what the problem is that they're talking about when they're fixing it, is doing a thing called getting us into the 20th century. Yes. And... <laughs> like, the, this is some broke dick shit. Like, th- this is some, like, fucking... This is the kind of crap that uh, American, like, fucking pundits will mock Mexico over. Come on. Yeah. And basically, what they wanted to do was they wanted to interconnect the same link into one national grid so that demand can be effectively managed by, well, 
a national continent-spanning grid, and it's not even like geography would have prevented this. Like, it's... This, this can be done, okay? And it probably would have been done um, if... <sighs> Basically, it's like, if this were proposed under any other administration, almost, they probably would have gone for it. Um, they would have probably at least tried to make some preliminary moves towards patching together the seams and modernizing the grid. Um, but this is the Trump administration we're talking about, and the answer is no. Because it would be bad for yes. coal. You know, the dying source of energy, the thing that's been crumbling all fucking like year decade like and is no good in the face of like climate yeah. change i mean you know, even the thing that's already good and fucked i mean we're talking about an industry where even natural gas starts looking good um where it's not just like oh, there's an oil spill, or there was a natural gas leak. That, that kind of sucks, but you can clean it up. Um, you can't really do anything with coal ash. Um, and we had... Back when I lived in Tennessee, we had several such disasters, because um, basically the coal ash repository... Um, ended up in the river once. Yeah. That that ends well. Yeah. Um actually as a breaking as of time of recording, um Trump has further elaborated on Kyle Rittenhouse, guaranteeing that this shit is going to get worse. Mm -hmm. Absolutely guaranteeing. Um Trump uh speaking at a COVID update at the White House. We're looking at all of it. Uh, that was an interesting situation. You saw the same tape as I saw. And uh, he was trying to get away from them, I guess, it looks like. And he fell. And then they very violently attacked him. And it was something that we're looking at right now, and it's under investigation. But uh, I, I guess he was in very big trouble. He would have been, I, he probably would have been killed, but it's under, it's under investigation. Uh, fuck. Yeah. Yeah. And so, yeah, the, um, basically. <laughs> Dumbest fucking timeline. Yeah. Like, the, the thing with coal is, it takes almost as much energy to move it to where it needs to go as it does when you burn it. That's that's the thing. But because it involves cutting out these oh-so-precious coal plants, that most of which could probably just be converted to nat gas, um, and some of which were, you know, just completely beyond hope anyway. Um, they were like, yeah, um, so we just, you know, finished looting Kentucky and 
West Virginia and Virginia proper and Pennsylvania. Um, and you have nothing to show for it but, like, a bunch of moonscape and poison land. Um, because we've got to keep these coal subsidies. Um, like, Cause we can't have anything good, basically. Yeah. It's so, yeah, this is dumb, needless bullshit. Yes. And... But it's... But the fact that the American grid is that fucking broke dick and stupid is not on Trump. That's on, you know, decades of stupid neoliberal brainworms bullshit. I mean, he's definitely preventing it from being fixed, but... Oh, yes, I, I need to make that clear. Like... The reason, like, they... This is fucking dumb. <laughs> yeah, like, the reason, like, this is being held up is because of Trump, but the reason it was ever allowed to get this bad is because <sighs> 10... No, no, 40 years of successive presidents have kicked the can. They've made it the next generation's problem. And, well... Now the infrastructure bills do. I'm sorry. That's how it works. Yeah, to pay maintenance on the infrastructure. There's no way around it. And and also, frankly, we do need to link those grids. Because I don't, I don't really see us getting out of our own energy crisis without doing that. It's kind of the bare minimum. Yeah. Like, it's, it says a lot that the sh- half of the shit that would make a Green New Deal viable in the United States is mostly things like actually modernize the electrical grid or fund proper insulation in all construction. Like, it's not shit that's like we have to invent fucking fusion power and start spitting out like fucking fusion cores for your power armor and your fucking Mr. Handy. It's really like, hey, America, like, join the fucking modern day. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, you know, be a functional society type shit. It's pretty like a lot of the waste that we see in energy production in the US is because the infrastructure for transmitting it is fucking broken stupid. Yes. Like a lot a lot of our problems are just we paid for our infrastructure in the Cold War and then we decided as a collective that uh, we don't need to ever pay for it again. Um, and you know, now we now we gotta deal with it. I mean and on top of that, you know, it's like we had a whole bunch of really hair-brained ideas, like using <sighs> like the whole thing of using, you know, um, above-ground line in California where as, you know, instead of burying it and telling the NIMBYs to get yeah. fucked so that we don't have wildfires needlessly. I mean, yes, we live in a fire ecology, but, you know, those big fat transmission lines that have 
caused more than one wildfire because PG&E are a bunch of money-grubbing assholes is a thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so, basically, um, yeah, that's, that's the black horse for you. And Harna's heels, the pale horse. Oh, yeah. So those hurricanes are making landfall. Okay, it's down to one hurricane. Yeah. Hurricane Laura made landfall as a cat four. It wasn't as bad as it could have been, but it was still pretty fucking bad. Uh. Like, a cat four would still be, like, headline-making in less climate-volatile periods. Like... That doesn't happen very often. Yeah, that's that's Katrina or Andrew territory. Um, a cat four is no joke. The good news is it depleted enough of the warm water in the Gulf that we won't see storms form or um, become particularly strong in the Gulf of Mexico area for uh, the next few weeks, which is which is good. That will. That will probably keep things under control there until um, hurricane season's over. Um, the bad news is that Louisiana and East Texas really do not need to eat this amount of shit right now. Um, and oh, and also, a lot of the oil and gas industry is on fire now. So that's a thing. Wonderful. You know. And in the path of the hurricane were multiple, like, oil rigs. Mm -hmm. So, you know, this is only just warming up. Yes. Um. (sighs) And. Yeah. Just expect more. (laughs) That's That's all we can say, really. Yeah, it's like, the most depressing thing is that the best thing I can say is, well, at least it depleted all the warm water, so it's probably not going to happen again this season. You know, I mean, this totally won't cause any super spreader events or cause any further, you know... Yeah, this shit's fucked. I mean... And we've got a government that, you know, look at Puerto Rico for their disaster response ideas and telling California to rake leaves. So, you know. I mean, he'll make some noise about helping Texas and Louisiana because they are part of his constituency, but he won't actually do anything to help them. Not He's not going to go above and beyond for them. Um, he's just going to do the minimum. Which is, which yeah. is more than Puerto Rico ever got. Because you know they're not yes. white. Um, I mean, at least um, you know that statue got eaten. Um, did you see that? Oh uh, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, the Confederate statue that the local city refused to remove. Like Thor decided to have words mm-hmm. with it. <laughs> Modern nature decided to veto it and just eat that fucking yep. thing. And I'm just glad it didn't break anything important. 
<laughs> yeah. It's gone. Good riddance. And speaking of, well, I'm fairly sure those words were spoken, not that it would have been justified, MGM has officially laid off 18,000 of their furloughed workers. Yeah, we kind of expected this to come, um, to be perfectly honest. Even with the mayor of Las Vegas doing the whole, we will volunteer to be a control group to reopen the casinos shit. Yeah, it's like... There are some boomers who are willing to risk it all to um, go to Applebee's, but bigger. Um, but as it turns out, no. This this is not a workable plan, and they can't just leave all these people in limbo this long. So, yeah, they got fired. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, on the upside, if anyone is looking to do their own, you know, version of Ocean's Eleven, I'm sure there's plenty of people who would be interested. Mm-hmm. Better get on it now, though, before they change the codes. <laughs> um. You know, because, and you know, some snot-nosed MBA was probably at the meeting where they decided about laying people off and said, but what about those giant piles of money we keep in the vault before somebody was like, Larry, that's there to back up the value of the chips, you dumbass. (laughs) Uh, Meanwhile, American Air is cutting October capacity by 55% um, and discarding 15 cities from their um, uh, from their tables. Yeah, that this is also not that surprising. It's just at this point, unless like really the only way air travel is going to be viable in time of COVID is if it just becomes nationalized. Yeah. Like at some point that something like that is going to have to happen, even if it's some weird Bidenite like neolib hash that says we will give you giant piles of money to keep running uh, under the requirement that you run at least this many routes as long as we're paying you kind of bullshit yeah like like they killed a lot of those they did eliminate some of the low demand flights because um they no longer um they were able to kind of make the case to the uh Department of Transportation that uh, no, nobody's actually flying these routes. Uh, we're willing to give up our gate slot. Um, please just let us out of this. Um, but, like, the thing that was preventing them from just going whole hog on just completely slashing routes um, was that restriction. And that restriction expires in a month, on October 1st. Um, They'll be adding 24 seasonal routes um, in the new schedule, but those are definitely not going to be, like, they're not going to be moving the same volume of people, they're not going to be employing the same number of pilots, um, their capacity is down by 55% over the last year. Like, that's that's not really sustainable. Um, 
we're gonna we're definitely gonna see a round of consolidation in the industry um, because this is this is clearly ridiculous. I hope you yeah, like Frankie United, is... I guess. You know, assuming United, it's fine. Mm-hmm. Or Southwest. I mean, th- this is going to be happening. Like, there's going to be... This shit is going to keep happening. Like, this is... Like, we are reaching a point where the levels of traffic that was necessary to make the airline industry as it was stay afloat are not going to be coming back anytime soon. Oh, yes. Like, full stop. So, this kind of traffic is going to need state subsidies and that's going to happen at the minimum assuming that you know we don't get some weird shit where biden is possessed by fdr's ghost and he becomes the wheelchair-bound god emperor and immediately nationalizes all airlines you know just do it already it can't be any worse and in the grim darkness of the future, Franklin Delano Roosevelt guides the people of the United States from his golden wheelchair in the Oval <laughs> Office. <sighs> and meanwhile, capitalist hell follows. Yeah, so, first one. Never thought I'd see this happen. Same. Honestly. Is a sports ball solidarity strike. Um, there's been some back and forth on it uh, since the news first broke. Um, some have. Thanks, Obama. Um, Fucking hell. But Dude, stop. Yes. <laughs> yes. Um,. But basically, there was, it was kind of a boycott at first, and then it turned into a wildcat strike, basically, Um, because, you know, everything about this whole sports ball season, and this situation, and, you know, the fact that they basically rely on black and brown players to make most of this happen at all. I mean, hell, the WNBA is striking. Um, Yeah. Well, even the fucking... Like, even the baseball... Like, baseball's going on strike. Like, there's even, like, Major League Baseball teams going on strike, and that's the fucking whitest sport there is. (laughs) Like, outside of NASCAR, who already banned Confederate flags. Yeah. Like, they, um, well, WNBA, they, um, they're usually pretty hardcore about this stuff anyway, but, um, a sympathy strike, that's, mm, yeah, that's not something I don't I think expected. that's ever happened in sports. <laughs> like, I don't think that's ever happened in sports in the United States. Like, I don't think the players' unions have ever actually, like, done a sympathy strike. At least... Not in, maybe, like, I don't know, there might have been some shit during the 60s I don't know about. Yeah, like, there was... I'd need a minute. (laughs) Like, all of the strikes I can think of were single sport, like the, um, 
the strike at uh, Talladega, um, where basically there was no tire provider that could provide like tires that were remotely safe for the stock car class. Um, and the drivers were like, no, we're not doing this. Um, but that's, you know, your usual kind of labor, like, this is fucking dumb, I don't want to die kind of shit. That's not Oh, like... yeah. I mean, it's like, it's hilariously controversial in NASCAR circles, because, like, everyone agrees that, like, the strike was necessary, because holy shit, um, it was, it was bad. Um, they ended up fielding, like, three cars in that power class, and then just filling the rest of the field with uh, pony cars, which were much slower and could survive Talladega's service, uh, surface at those speeds. Um, and there hasn't been a players' association ever. Well, there hasn't been a drivers' association in NASCAR ever since, but it's like, god damn. Yeah. The, this is, and on top of that, the latest polling shows 57% of Americans support the NBA players' oh, yeah. strike. So, once again, we have, so for those keeping score at home, at this point, the two most popular candidates on the ballot now are NBA players' strike, followed three points behind by Torch, a police precinct. Yes. With Biden and Trump bringing up third and fourth place. Yes. And honestly, um, I I'm not sure I can decide between sympathy strike or burning police station. It's a hard choice. It's like burning, pol- <laughs> but burning police precinct has a really simple platform. I mean, I wish they could just both run on one ticket. Yeah, yeah. What we need is a unity ticket to unite the nation. Burning police precinct. NBA sympathy strike. Hell yeah. Let's bring it. It's a winning combination. There is there is no way we can lose of that. And, and meanwhile, on the other side of the world, shit is continuing to pop off in Belarus, where mass demonstrations that we've been following for the last couple of weeks now kicked off by how colossally authoritarian and corrupt and stupid the president of belarus is and no his name is not donald trump you would be excused for like confusing the two but donald trump has not touted vodka as a cure for covid yet Yet. i mean he's a teetotaler so he'd probably recommend like cocaine Mm -hmm. go full dr roxo but Um, yeah, and it's kind of interesting watching this shit, because this is really showing a lot of the same dynamics of what's happening in the U.S. street movement right now, of you're seeing unprecedented levels of mobilization. People are literally, like, handing the riot police their ass on a plate. Yeah. Like, like there was one video that just came out where a massive women's march was, like, facing a line of riot police who literally formed a human chain to stop them from crossing the, like, continuing on the march. So they just swamped them. (laughs) 
The riot police ended up having to fucking kettle themselves because they were completely surrounded. Like, I mean, they weren't shooting at people, which, you know, may have been a factor because these aren't American pigs. But this is like, it's not a good year to be a cop, you know? Just, I mean, I'd say it never is good to be a cop, but it's really not a good year to be a cop anywhere. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, I'm sure there's, like, some kind of, like, tanky bullshit about imperialism or something, but this looks mostly like it's local people who are really fucking pissed off, and, you know, I seriously doubt the CIA could get that shit together now, given that they mostly were like, wait, what? Someone's organizing a coup in Bolivia? Uh, yeah, we're, we're down with this. Yeah. And it's like... I mean, I realize that, you know, if you're hoping for, like, official solutions from one party or another, you're not going to get them in Belarus. I'm sorry. Um, Like, I I sort of feel like the people are just going to have to take their future into their own hands. They can't wait around for the opposition parties because... The opposition parties fucking suck. Um, Any resemblance to American politics is purely... (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. No, totally. Um, I wish them the best. Yeah. Fuck that guy. And and that kind of gets us to, you know... Where things are stateside, much closer to the ground, in a week where civil war has trended on Twitter. In the hundreds of thousands. Like, it's worth noting that a lot of that was because the Oath Keepers started running their mouths about how um, if Trump doesn't crack down, they will. Uh, Oh my god. I mean... I, I'm sure some of them will try. Oh, yeah. No. They're... <sighs> like... Oath Keepers are weird. Um, I will say that. Um, they... They certainly aren't what you're used to. Um, if you've been following, like, this kind of crap for a long time... It's a very how the mighty have fallen sort of story. They're just bootlicks now. Um, if they ever were anything else, yeah. they're certainly that now. <laughs> like, like the ones who were more vaguely libertarian. Like I know there was some prick in the Oath Keepers who went to Ferguson to actually protect the protesters against the police. I mean, as far as I understand, it didn't go well, but. That, like, there's, like, a handful of Oath Keepers who have, like, not, uh, have been kind of vaguely consistent about the whole, you know, tyranny of big government thing, but yeah, most of them are really just, like, a bunch of fucking black shirts. At the yeah, time. and a lot of... The ones that are left. A lot of those, frankly, defected. Um, obviously, you know, um, getting into that is a mess, but... <laughs> Yeah, but yeah, so this kind of gets us to something that, 
you know, has been rattling around on this podcast and is, is something we talked about a lot more in the Doomsday special. And we'll probably do a follow-up uh, sequel to the Doomsday special for our patrons uh, in the near future. Yes. But the the shorthand for what we're expecting, like the best way to understand what the fuck is happening in these dying days of 2020 in the United States is the last stand of the Dixie Kratz. Yeah. Like this, like the best way to put it when you look at Trump's political coalition is the backbone of it are the same people who were at the backbone of the Jim Crow coalition that maintained that system that maintained the American apartheid and have been watching in various ways that whether actual or real their influence in and power in the American political system has been declining and has been deteriorating economically so and, and then you like add in the religious fervor that's kicked up and by the way it's worth mentioning the confederacy was big on god really big on god people tend to forget that um that you get this really kind of toxic brew of people who are seeing shit in apocalyptic terms and also were previously like a favored group in a Heronvolk democracy apartheid freakish monster. <laughs> yeah. Like at this point yeah, things are pretty insane and I'll be I'll be blunt here. The conservative coalition is a fucking mess right now. Um, and it's not all within the Republican Party. Um, this is partly why they've been yeah. making the sort of moves they have. This is partly why Biden is sending in the first place. It's... It's... Like, it's important to mention that when we look at the polling data and the stuff about Senate races and everything else, on one hand... There's things that should be keeping Biden's people up at night, like how he's consistently failed to get much above 51 or 52 percent in the polling averages when Donald Trump is fucking up this badly, especially when Trump is doing things like 30 percent approval rates in some polling. So on one hand, Biden should be cleaning up a lot more than he is why that's not happening is a totally different matter but on the other hand all the data that's available says trump has a very hard ceiling and that ceiling is nowhere near a majority of the american population or at this point even a majority in the swing states he needs to win and potentially not even a majority in like ruby red strongholds like texas and georgia yes um like if like biden if we're assuming a clean election happens and at this podcast we absolutely are not um if we're assuming a clean election happens the range of possibilities is from biden wins in some sort of 2012 kind of triumph like what obama had over romney and the democrats barely take a slim majority in the senate to the biggest blowout the republicans have seen since 1929 
Like, this wouldn't just be Trump gets humiliated at the ballot box. It would be the party gets annihilated up and down the political structure on a scale that hasn't happened since Franklin Roosevelt kicked Hoover's ass. Like, they would be permanently broken. They would be, like, the... Like, in 40 years, they would be the crazy uncle party. Um, the ultranet party that, you know, Chuds vote for because... Um, uh, because, you know, they're pissed about all sorts of dumb shit. But... It's... <sighs> Frankly, I don't... Well, and there's, like, no signs that this party would pivot the way that the like new deal era republican party did yeah like if anything they probably will double down on defeat because the only ones who will survive if things go clean are the absolute maximum chuts like the tom cottons of the caucus will be the ones left standing yes and yeah, it's very much <laughs> that's that's if we're assuming everything goes clean and the Republicans go along with what is could potentially happen. I mean, granted, it's more likely that it's not going to be that severe, but it is within the range of probability that the Republican Party suffers its worst political defeat in living memory. Yeah. And it's worth noting that at that point, the Democratic Party would start to fracture itself, but that would be a consequence that plays out over the next several political cycles. And remember, whenever we talk about this, whenever we talk about this, we're saying... Basically, if the system holds together enough that, you know, there is not an active civil war. Um, because when that happens, all bets are off. Um, or, or some other kind of move by this political faction that can read the writing on the wall and knows the only way they're going to win fair and square is if Joe Biden is legitimately caught with, like, 10 terabytes of snuff films or something. Yes. Like, it or Biden and Harris are killed in a bus explosion. Or Donald Trump suddenly becomes competent you know there's no way they're winning this one fair and square especially because they didn't really win 2016 fair and square when you take things like vote suppression and swing states into account so uh, there is a certain level of incentive in the the conservative coalition and in the republican party to keep doing the kind of dubiously legal scumbag shit that won them the election in 2016. But probably more. 
Like, they have no incentive at this point to actually, you know, follow the rules. Yeah. If their goal is power. Yeah. And they're making it quite clear that's what the goal has been for a long time. Ever since Rove was talking about a permanent Republican majority in 2004. Like... They want... They want a permanent lock on power, even though the demographics simply don't favor them anymore. I mean, this is this is what happens when you have the whole beige dictatorship thing. When you try to, like, appease everyone with perfectly triangulated policies. That doesn't work. It's, it's never worked. You just end up with this. So we've got, especially with shit that's gone down in Portland and Kenosha, and the chatter that's exploding across not just the far right elements of the net, but the right, like getting into the mainstream right, is some seriously getting ready for Rwanda kind of shit. This is people working themselves up into believing that it will be necessary to use violence to defend the order they want to maintain. And seeing any outcome that does not favor them is inherently illegitimate. And you're also, at least in some segments, this is slowly, I mean, like, I mean, slowly creeping Mm -hmm. in to the shit lips brains but not fast enough that maybe all that shit they've been saying about trump being a fascist authoritarian is actually true and not just good copy like not fast enough and you're definitely seeing things taken much more seriously when you get like points further left than the democratic party but this is like it needs to be assumed that at this point that the election will not be resolved on election day. In fact, it's quite likely that you might see some kind of spectacular table flipping when a number of like Republican Party electoral officials go, oh, this is really not going our way and do something dumb. Yeah, like they um, like in Georgia, they were um there was a recent court order issued that was like, um, if it's postmarked by election day um, and it gets here within three days of election day, then um, the ballot is kosher. Um, which frankly would have solved a lot of the um, like Kentucky issues. But the problem with that is, is it kind of feeds into... Um, their little narrative which is yeah wonderful it's yeah this is accelerating this is there are lots of pressures feeding like adding to this there are lots of people feeding this like and again it's probably gonna happen if they do something fucked up and stupid on election day it's probably going to be reactive this is not probably going to be some kind of deliberate day of the jackboot packed goons show up and cart off ballot boxes type shit it's probably going to be way more 
like in a reactive frame of mind that one because the right likes to think of itself as acting in self-defense would fit with their entire like ideology and two like i think the only person at the federal level who's thinking proactively about this is probably bill barr the attorney like trump's attorney general like i don't think there's like there's I mean, could be totally wrong on this. We could find out very quickly after shit goes down. There was some kind of intricate plan in the motion, but there doesn't seem to be that kind of forward thinking coming from the feds or the state parties. Um, the military has, like, most recently, again, like, seen, like, the chairman, the Joint Chiefs of Staff say, we are not getting involved in this election in any way, including hauling Trump out of the White House if he refuses to leave. So, there's not, probably not going to be any kind of formal military intervention. This is... Which, um, if you listen to our episode with Francis, that is a very good thing here like frankly that that does make me want to sleep a little better at night you know i mean they're probably saying it in part because the military's got its own broke dick oh yeah yeah they're like they got their own shit like you know trillions of the graph plane not dime for barracks so it's like, this is, you know, not our monkeys, not our circus. We have over 250 years of cultural inertia to back us up on this. So do not test me. I will cry. <laughs> but, you know, the police have openly demonstrated they don't mm-hmm. give a fuck. And in Kenosha, they let britain house walk away yeah in portland they were escorting the truck convoys the nypd has like all but threatened the mayor's daughter on twitter so yeah you know i wouldn't worry about the military as much as i'd worry about the pigs yeah i mean what happens when what happens when the pigs realize their power um that, you know, these pesky elected officials that they, they're supposedly um, obedient to, that they don't fucking matter. You can, you can just shoot them. It's no big deal. You can just shoot them. You know where they live. I mean, um, I, I, I'm just going to put on the bingo board that the NYPD is going to announce a sting against Bill de Blasio and his entire family on the grounds that they found some child pornography and pull some QAnon bullshit frame up. Yes. Like, I'm going to put that on the bingo board right now. If shit gets weird, the NYPD will probably absolutely do an extrajudicial, like, arrest of the New York City government. Yeah, like, that's... That's the real fear I have, is, like, they realize, you know, Ted Wheeler, Kate Brown, all those people, we don't, we don't need them. We can just, we can just arrest them and do whatever we want with them. There's nothing to stop us, practically speaking. Yeah. 
Absolutely. I mean, it's if the police decided to do a coup in the United States, it would entirely come down to how actually obedient to the law are the individual cops and departments. Like, like I think the biggest thing that's kept, like, say, the OPD and the LAPD in line in California isn't necessarily out of some loyalty, but because people have been writing about police brutality for, like, the last decade at least up and down the state and i'm pretty sure the governor said i have a bigger dick than you and the state of california legitimately has the resources to ruin your day if you give me an excuse yes like they're not doing serious reforms and those are moving at a fucking snail's pace in the assembly but i would not be at all surprised if the reason the cops haven't gone off the chain for the most part in California is because there's been some kind of understanding with a velvet fist. Yeah, like, Newsom is not... I don't really think he he's, wants to... He's a machine player, he is slick as fuck, He's but he's not yeah, stupid. I... And he knows where some of the bodies are buried. Yeah, I mean, it's like... I can, uh, he can just be like, you know, I can just call the state guard. I don't don't need you people. Um, And it's like, yeah, we originally talked about that in the context of like anti-federal interventions, but if the cop problem, I mean, we've discussed this before. It's not pretty, but... The governor does have the authority it, to put down the cops if that's if they absolutely refuse to behave. Um, and I think that at least it total speculation here, but that threat has probably implicitly been made in the state of California. Yes. And. It's always, it's always kind of there in most states. It's just that the conditions usually haven't been reached yet. And in a few states, honestly, the cops do outnumber the um, state guard, which is a problem. But yeah. if things but- spiral to that level of hell you might see federal intervention. Uh, At that point... All bets are off. If if that's... I mean, if that's happening, shit's out in the street. And, like, I guess sort of what we're getting at in a roundabout way is low-end... You know, this is going to be on the level of the troubles for the next decade. This is going to be... Like, this election will probably be resolved by mass street action, and not by votes. Yes. I mean, it's... And whatever that... And I'm not saying that resolution means either candidate is the one who's in office when it's over. Yes. I just... At this point, um... I just want to say that, you know... I realize that we have been a little kind of um, <laughs> like, you know, a civil war is about to happen. Um, 
And it's like, I should clarify here because I don't want people to get the wrong impression. I don't think that we're going to jump from, you know, a one to, you know, from like zero to hundred, you know, maximum civilian repression. Um, it, that's going to be a more gradual thing. Like, retrospectively, yeah, we've probably passed the point of no return. But it's... The conflict still has to play itself out. It's not a foregone conclusion. None of this is a foregone conclusion. It's just that... It's no longer avoidable. The reckoning has has to happen. Because there are... Uh, and whether that means 10 years of MAGA militias getting raided in their bunkers or something way worse (laughs) (laughs) this is going to this is going to go outside the bounds of what people consider to be normal politics in the US and normal economics so, I think that about covers it, really. Yeah. Sorry, this is on a, such a depressing note. Um, hey, you know, forewarned is forearmed. And, you know, if you need to, like, take a break for a while, like, we get it. You know? Like, this is, this is not fun to talk about. I don't like being right about this. Part of me would just yeah, really rather like, be very wrong about this. I'd rather feel stupid than have to slug it out this in a fucking civil war. Like, no thank you. Um, but yeah. it's like, it's at this point, I think it's coming for us whether or not we want it to. So... So we just gotta get mm-hmm. ready. So. So. Um, this is Chop Shop Economics. We read this shit so you don't have to. Good luck out there, everyone. Bye.